Welcome to another edition of the TDN Writers Room. My name is Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for Thoroughbred Daily News and also on Saturday mornings. I co-host the Down the Stretch Show on Sirius XM Radio with Dave Johnson. Hi there. I'm Randy Moss of uh, NBC Sports, fresh off our uh, telecast of The Haskell. And a very good telecast it was indeed. I'm Zoe Kaplan with First Racing and XBTV. And I am somewhere in the middle of the woods in a state park. So fortunately, we have internet, and uh, we'll we'll kick on from here. I know you wish you were here, guys, because you both look like you're really good pounders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watch out for the mosquitoes and the snakes, okay, Zoe? <laughs> I got Doodle for that. Doodle will take care of me. Right. All right, gang. Well, obviously, the big story last weekend was the Haskell Stakes where Randy Moss and the NBC crew wore at Monmouth Park. And, you know, on paper, it was a very good race. There were eight horses in there. Six were really legitimate top horses. The winner is Go Rocket Ride. Mike Smith, the jockey, will join us a little bit later and we'll talk about that. Uh, he ran great. He's a good horse. He's right into the mix of the top three-year-olds, a group that still, really, we don't know who number one is. There hasn't been a single horse yet to really step up and win two of these big races. But one of my observations, there's a lot to talk about here. I was actually a little bit disappointed by the Haskell. And the reason why is because between Arabian Night and Extra Nejo, we saw two horses, particularly Arabian Night, that we thought, wow, these might really be superstars going down the the second half of the year, you know, potential Breeders' Cup classic winners, horses that we could get really excited about. They both ran fine. Arabian Knight third, beaten three and three quarter lengths. Extra Nejo fourth, beaten five and three quarter lengths. But they didn't really live up to the hype or the sizzle. But I don't want to take anything away from Go Rocket Ride. Dick Mandela last ran in the Haskell 21 years earlier with Dixie Union, took off 21 years and came back and won it again with Go Rocket Ride. Yeah, Mandela, perfect two for two now, lifetime in the Haskell. When he ships, you got to pay attention. And it certainly pointed out that Go Rocket Ride is a legitimate contender in the three-year-old division. They're not going to run in the Travers. No surprise, apparently back to California and uh, the Pacific Classic at Del Mar. Then if all goes well, probably the awesome again, and then the Breeders' Cup Classic. Mage, I thought, ran particularly well in defeat, especially since the storyline all week long from the Delgados was that he was not 100% ready for the race. You could also tell that from his workout pattern leading up to the race. So for him to put in the Mage kind of move that he did, to run up to go rocket ride at the top of the stretch, I thought uh, was a really good effort by Mage. He had a right to get a little bit tired at the end, and he did. I think it sets him up well for the Travers. Arabian Night, look, the one thing we didn't know about Arabian Night was how he was going to handle a situation if another horse blasted off and beat him to the early lead. Two for two lifetime, so impressive, had never been behind another horse. In the afternoons, he had in the mornings, but as, as we all know, that can be a completely different scenario. And I just don't think he handled it well. Uh, I think he got way too aggressive. He got a little rank with John Velasquez. Uh, so I think it was the combination of fast early fractions, the fact that he didn't settle at all, 
And oh, yeah, by the way, he hadn't run since January in the Southwest Stakes. I think the three of those things uh, combined to take him down. And he was still only beaten two lengths by Mage for second. And as far as extra Aneo is concerned, he was wide on both turns. But I, I just don't think that uh, I was more disappointed in extra Anejo probably than I was in Arabian Night. Because I can look at the race and I can give Arabian Night an excuse the way the race was run. And you can visually watch him and see why he ran the way he ran. Extra Anejo, I, I don't think you can really come up with that much of an excuse. He was back early, but the pace was fast. Um, Tapatrice was Tapatrice. You know, the underachieving uh, kind of horse that he's always been, a little reluctant, no early speed at all. Uh, I was disappointed in him as well. I thought he would put in a little bit more of a run than he put in. Yeah. Um, the winner was brilliant as far as I was concerned. Go Rocket Ride. This is a horse who showed his mettle with a very, very game run in the Santa Anita Derby in, in just, I think, his second lifetime start with Flaviana aboard him that day. He's always been a good horse. He's obviously had a, a few little issues, a few little hiccups along the way. It was good to see him win. It was really cool to see him win for Jim and Dana Bernhardt, who have brought to life Pin Oak Stud. And I think that's the story here with Pin Oak, because I'm not sure they were expecting it to come along quite as quickly as it has. First horse that they bought. Go Rocket Ride. Now it looks like you're making a stallion for the farm that you bought right after the horse. I mean, it's a fantastic story for the pair of them. I love the fact that Mike Smith was aboard him. He rode, he rode him like he was riding the best horse. Now, Mike will tend to go a little bit wide usually and keep a horse out of trouble. But I think with a lightly raced horse like him, he rode him the right way. As far as Arabian Night was concerned, I'm not buying he was a short horse off his six months off. Bob Baffert does not send a short horse to the Haskell. I will buy that he's unseasoned. And I think we saw that from him, the unseasoning. 22 and four, Johnny V was able to rein him back into a 24 and one quarter. But maybe he just expanded too much energy in that opening quarter. And that's purely what did him in. If he was as good as I thought he was, maybe he should have overcome that. I, I don't know, but I'm not buying that he was a short horse coming in for Bob Baffert. All in all, Mage ran a bang-up race, and it's so often nowadays we see these grade one stakes with four or five mediocre horses and short fields. This was a really good race, a really, really yeah. good race. No, we won't see Go Rocket Ride in the Travers. We'll probably likely see him back at Santa Anita, but it really gives you something to look forward to. And it, it's cool to see Mike Smith. I, I'm excited to talk to him later. And being at Monmouth, Bill, you know, I know you're very familiar with Monmouth. You know, what was nice to see, and you see it every year, Haskell time, but it's still the same. As the day progresses, the crowd gets bigger and bigger. And by the time mm -hmm. the Haskell was run, the place was absolutely packed with young people. My my daughter was there doing some work for uh, for the NBC telecast, and and you know she was amazed at the people her age. She's college age uh, that had come in off the beach probably and were at Monmouth for the Haskell. It was really a, a nice vibe as the Haskell almost always is. So I we keep asking the same question throughout all these races. Now we've got the Jim Dandy up next. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Then of course the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby. Who is the best three-year-old? I mean, I have no idea. I keep waiting for someone to answer that question. 
I mean, Mage could have answered that question. Arabian Knight could have answered that question. I mean, Go Rocket Ride's in the mix, but, you know, he's got just the one major win. Uh, Randy, you know, what are we going to be talking about later on in the year, supposedly, you know, maybe after the Travers? Who's the star of this division? Who's the horse that is going to be the one we're all going to be talking about later on? Hands down, the star of the division's two fills. Unfortunately, wow, okay. unfortunately, he's retired, <laughs> <laughs> so we won't see him again. I, I think it's I think it's wide, wide, wide open. I really do. Uh, I'm fascinated in the Jim Dandy to see. Well, and we'll talk about that later to see how Forte runs with blinkers on. Uh, see if that makes a difference a little bit in his kind of stop and go way that he's been running lately. But uh, I think there's a lot left to be written. Zoe, you have a strong opinion. Well. It's funny that you mentioned two fills because horse racing is such a what have you done for me lately sport. I'd already forgotten about two fills. By the time Eclipse Sport voting <laughs> comes around, people will be like, two who? Who's that guy? And it's just such a shame You're right. that he was so good early in the year and he's likely going to be forgotten about by the end of the year. If he had the same resume at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year that he had at the beginning, He's probably going to be on everybody's mindset. But right now, they're going to be like, oh, two who? Two who? There may be another one that pops <laughs> in on the radar by then. I don't know who the top three-year-old will be. I think we're just going to let it play out and hope that they're all running in the Classic at the end of the year because that could be a terrific race. They're still going to get there as well. Yeah, two Phil's body of work, a good horse, but he's not an Eclipse Award contender. Not off winning the Ohio no. Derby. Come on now, guys. <laughs> no. So anyways, uh, let's Let's switch gears to the three-year-old Philly division. The Coaching Club American Oaks was run on Saturday. Wet Paint rebounded off a kind of a you know mediocre effort, I would say, in the uh, Kentucky Oaks and gets the winner circle for Brad Cox. Uh, Randy, one thing there's been a story about this division all year long. These horses are slow. Nobody can crack even a 90 buyer, an 89 buyer for wet paint. And, uh, you know, this isn't into July of their three-year-old year. Uh, they should be cracking the mid-90s, maybe the high 90s by now. But nonetheless, you know, in this division right now, um, you know, she took a major step forward. But uh, I, I, I just, you know, every time I look at the numbers come out of this, you know, I just think it isn't. Yeah. Where are the fast horses in this division? Well, it, look, with with any speed figures, buyer speed figures included, you got to kind of take a look at the way the race was run, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it was an 89 buyer speed figure. I'm going to view the Coaching Club American Oaks going forward as exactly what you wanted it to be, as like about mm -hmm. a 94, 95, 96 uh, caliber performance on the speed figure scale. I mean, they were eight and a half lengths clear, wet paint and sacred wish in a fairly slow paced race of Gambling Girl, who had been made the six to five favorite. She's looking lucky, was right there next to Gambling Girl. She'd come off a big effort in the mid 80s or so in her last start at Ellis Park. So I thought it was a really good effort by Wet Paint. Um, you know, it's not going to, you know, vault her into clear number one status among the three year old Phillies, but I thought it was a return to form for her. I thought visually the race was fantastic for her, never mind the figure. She was so far back. Right. She ate an awful lot of dirt. I think you've got to toss the figure out of the window right now and just take the race on its merits for how this filly ran into a fairly tepid pace up front. She got a terrific ride by Pratt. Yes, she only won by a neck, but she didn't have things her own way like the horses up there on the front end. I thought she great ran superbly. Six fillies have won the CCA Oaks and gone in gone on and won the Alabama, including Nest, Songbird, and Questing. 
So she's got big shoes to fill. It looks like she'll run in the Alabama next. Let's just not forget that the Dolphin also have pretty mischievous top three-year-old as well. And she's going to target the grade one test. They're going to try and split these, split these two up. But I thought it was a great race by wet paint. And it, it was good to see her win on a big stage because she's just been pushing the envelope thus far. And we'll see what she's got in the next start. Well, speaking of Nest, I thought she was the star of the weekend. Uh, only four horses in the shoe V. Yes, let's uh, take that into context. But the big one was in there. It was, I mean, essentially on paper, a match race between her and Clarier. Uh, Clarier has been so good this year. Nest's first start since the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, distaff way back in November. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you say Bob Baffert always has him ready. Todd Pletcher always has them ready, doesn't run short horses. She was just really good off the layoff and she wins by two and a quarter lengths and there was really no contest. I mean, Clarier, yeah, she had to close and, and had, tried, had to try to catch Ness, but there was nothing too uh, terrible about her trip. Just think she got beat by who was on that day a better horse. And I think the Pletcher Rapoli uh, camp uh, along with um, Aaron Wellman should be very happy with that performance and looking forward to a really strong uh, run to the Breeders' Cup distaff from Nest. Oh, yeah. Nest and Clarier, both daughters of Curlin. Uh, I think they're outstanding fillies, and they're clearly, I think, the number one and number two females on the East Coast. We got a Dare Manor on the West Coast, trained by Bob Baffert, and of course, the Breeders' Cup this year is at Santa Anita. So it's a fascinating setup if all these horses stay sound, and maybe Secret Oath can find her mojo again uh, by the time the uh, the Breeders' Cup distaff rolls around. Now, pace, I think, was a consideration in this race. Very slow, 49 and 4 fifth seconds early. So that gave Nest a bit of a tactical advantage over Clarier. When they ran against each other last, and there was some pace in the race, was in the Breeders' Cup distaff, where Clarier finished third, was three lengths ahead of Nest. I happen to think Nest, for whatever reason, did not nearly run her race in the Breeders' Cup distaff. If you look at her race last year in the Coaching Club American Oaks, if you look at her race in the Bell Dame, and then you look at the Shoe V, to me, she's the best older mare in America when she's on top of her game. So I, I really loved her race uh, on uh, this past weekend as well. She just looked terrific. She looked as fit as a fiddle in the paddock. Now, they're both daughters of Curlin, right? Clarier is a big, bulky. She, she looks like a colt. Nest is beautifully refined. She just prances around the paddock like a ballerina. She's trained terrifically going up to this race. And I think now as a four-year-old, she's got it all together. And I'm not sure she'll get beat again this year. I thought her race was absolutely terrific. Now, I went by the barn the next day. And ran into Aaron Wellman at the barn. And Ness did, I have to say, she did look a little bit tired. She still, you know, was acquiescing with us and sticking her head out and putting her ears forward. But you, you could see it in her eyes that she had laid it down on the line. It was a terrific day for Eclipse Thoroughbreds. They also won with Anisette down in Del Mar and the San Clemente. But then they were a little bit disappointed. They had a very nice two-year-old filly called Camera who disappointed the same day as well. But two out of three ain't bad. I mean, who's going to complain about that? Camera can come back again. But Ness, for me, absolutely terrific. I really, really enjoyed that race. And I don't think Clarier really lost anything in defeat. But I think maybe this year, Ness is just a little bit better.
The TDM Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Nest, we already just spoke about her. The winner of the Grade 2 Shuvie Stakes at Saratoga was a Keeneland September sale grad. She sold for $350,000, which looks like an absolute steal right now in the 2020 Keeneland September sale. Nest made her four-year-old return a winning one in the Shuvie. Keeneland is home of the world's yearling sale. The energy, magic, and momentum of the September yearling sale returns on September the 11th through the 23rd. I'll be there. And don't forget, August 1st is the entry deadline for the 2023 November breeding sale. We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. If this place could talk, it would roar. It would say, this is racing. This beating heart in the heart of horse country. Steady and strong beneath the roar. Reminding us why. For the love of the horse. For generations to come. We welcome a new advertiser. We've had them once before, and here they are again. Stone Street Farm. Stone Street Reds won two races this week when Driana broke a maiden at Ellis Park, and Second ID took an allowance race at Goldstream. Look for four Stone Street Bred yearling colts selling at Saratoga August 7th and August 8th. Hit number 77 by Quality Road from the family of Santa Anita Derby winner Dortmund. Hip 92, they're selling them all together. A Spitestown Colt from the family of graded stakes winner Uncaptured. And Hip 135, an intermischief Colt out of Rachel Alexandra's grade one winning daughter, Rachel's Valentina. One more. Hip number 183 is a Colt by Authentic, who is a half-brother to grade one Met Mile winner, Silver State. The guiding focus of Stone Street is to breed and develop quality thoroughbreds with strength, stamina, and class. Stone Street, born to run, raised to win. The fastest horse of the week is brought to you by the Fast Stallions at Windstar Farm, such as Nashville. Look at his career record as a racehorse chronologically. As a two-year-old at Saratoga in one of those tough maiden races, he wins by 11 and a half lengths to become a TDN Rising Star. November 7th, 2020 at Keeneland, set a track record, six furlongs, 107.89. That was Breeders' Cup Day, almost a full second faster than the sprint later in the day. And then March 2022, he runs the fastest six furlongs at the fairgrounds meet, 108.61. He ran faster than 44 seconds flat for a half mile, three different times, one, two of those. We're talking speeds. Off to a fast start as a stallion as well. 204 mares bred in his first book. 91% of those checking in full. You're looking for speed, and who is it? Nashville stands at Windstar Farm. Now, this week's Horse of the Week. Here's a new one for you. And Iowa bred, winning an allowance optional claiming race at Prairie Meadows on a Thursday. His name, Topper T, went to the lead in that optional claiming race, won it by 18 and three quarters lengths, a modest buyer speed figure of 110. 
for Topper T. By far, obviously, the highest of his career. Previous high was 92. He had won three of his last four starts for trainer Jan Arnett. Son of Bellamy Road. Bellamy Road, of course, best known for winning the Wood Memorial by 17 and a half length. So those big margins must run in the family. And here's something I thought was interesting. In that optional claiming race at Prairie Meadows was a six-horse field. Only two horses in that six-horse field were entered to be claimed for $30,000. Topper T was one of the two, but no one went in for him. And so he goes out there and runs a 110 buyer speed figure. Topper Topper T, rather, 110 buyer, the fastest horse of the week. Gotta love those Iowa breads. Congratulations to Topper T. So last week on the podcast, we had Lisa Lazarus on as a Green Group Guest of the Week. And I give her credit for a lot of the things that she said and the way she handled herself, because rather than being defensive, she admitted that Haiza slash Haiwu had made some mistakes uh, in the rollout, particularly when it involved interarticular injections. And uh, she basically said, yeah, you know, we didn't get some things right. We're going to go back to the drawing board and we're going to vow to do better going forward. But at the same time, she said that when it comes to the provisional suspensions, I think her words were, and I hope, um, well, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something to the effect that I'm a big fan Mm -hmm. of the provisional suspensions. And uh, what that means is when a horse uh, tests positive for a banned substance, something that's on their banned substance list, the trainer is immediately suspended. And then the process goes from there. They're suspended before the split sample comes back and before they've had a chance to appeal and have a hearing. Now, you know, it's a kind of a cliche, but it really does fit here. You're talking about a system where somebody is guilty until proven innocent. And this week we saw why this is a problem and why I think this is absolutely something they have to change. A trainer, uh, Mac McLean Robertson, um, leading trainer uh, every year, it seems at Canterbury, uh, got suspend a provisional suspension after a horse of his tested positive for something called ultranogist. Um, he was provisionally suspended. He had no starts after July 2nd. Lo and behold, last week, they came back with the split sample and the, the, the referee lab could not find the medication in the horse and he was exonerated. Uh, but he went from July 2nd to July 21, shut down, didn't run any horses. Um, I can only imagine what the, you know, the mental toll was on him, not knowing what was going to happen, whether or not he was going to get a two-year suspension, which uh, you can get. We saw some similar things that happened with the New York trainer, Ray Handel. And, you know, this, uh, here's what uh, Robertson had to say about this. He says, this is about as un-American as you get. Everyone in racing should oppose it. All Americans should oppose it. And look, you know, I've said before, uh, Haiza needed to do something so that we don't have these things take two years. But this is they're gone overboard here. And the Mac Robertson case shows why this guy didn't deserve to have three weeks on the sidelines when he, you know, in hindsight, really doesn't appear that he did anything wrong. This is something they need to change. You know, I don't have as much of a problem with it, Bill. Okay. I really don't. Uh, people have for years been saying that it's time to come down hard on cheaters, that the sport is not hard enough on cheaters, that it's time to come down on on trainers that have a positive test or medication overage, either for a banned substance or therapeutic medication. And 
appeal, 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 appeal. And then one year, two years, three years down the road, something's finally done about it. And then it's all watered down. I think people were really tired of all that. And I think that's one of the reasons why there was such momentum behind HISA. Other equine sports have provisional suspensions. And in this situation, I think it worked. There were it was 19 days. Yeah, it, it's not it's not ideal. It's not you would rather even be faster than 19 days. But I thought it was handled fairly expeditiously. Uh, in the vast majority of cases, a split sample is going to verify the original sample. In this case, it didn't. And uh, it, I thought the wheels of justice worked pretty quickly. And it's unfortunate that it happened to Mac Robertson. But he was exonerated and he was able to get back to business. When it works with someone who uses a banned substance and the, the split sample verifies that it was a banned substance, uh, I think in that case, we would probably be cheering it. So it, I don't have as much of a problem with it. Maybe it, 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 need, it will need to be tweaked. You know, that's part of what this whole process is. Uh, they said that Lisa Lazarus and others said that about Haiwu and about Haisa before we even enacted this, that there were going to be uh, it was going to be a learning curve. There were going to be some missteps. There was, you know, there are going to be some things that needed to be tweaked. You know, maybe this can be tweaked to make it even better. Uh, but I don't have as much of a problem with it. I really don't. Maybe I, I'm a little I just want to interject. Though. One, one thing in there. And you said um, you use the word cheaters. And look, everybody wants to get the cheaters and want to get them right. now. And we want to deal with them in the most severe way possible. But nothing about this story. I, I mean, I don't follow Canterbury Downs racing. I don't know a whole lot about this guy other than he wins a lot of races. But nothing that what from the start of this, n there was nothing to suggest that he is a quote unquote cheater, especially after the split sample came back negative. So if you want to go out and get the uh, Jorge Navarro's of the world and the Jason services, yeah, you know, uh, go get them. But, you know, there's some people here that that are being dealt with very harshly when I just don't think the punishment and the crime fit one another. All right. So tomorrow, this is being recorded on a Tuesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, I will be in a courtroom in Manhattan. No, I didn't do anything wrong, but I will be there. Good. Yes. I have not been provisionally suspended either, so um, I'm allowed to, to work tomorrow. But I will be there to cover the, the latest and one of the last chapters in the very ugly occurrences that started back all the way in March 2020. Jason Service is being uh, sentenced on Wednesday. So we obviously don't know what's happening on Tuesday, uh, what 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 uh, what the sentence is going to be, though. It looks like it's going to be about four years. And uh, we'll report on it. Uh, my story will be in the Thoroughbred Daily News on um, Thursday. But in the meantime, um, the pre-sentence submission uh, heads that, that uh, the government uh, put in to, uh, the, it goes to the judge and then, um, you know, she takes that into consideration. There was some really interesting stuff in there about, uh, it said the owner of the horse. So presumably it's either Gary or Mary West, but since Gary seems to be kind of the, um, the, the lead person in, in the West partnership, I assume that it was emails back and forth between Jason service and Gary West. And it just shed some light on the whole thing. And Gary West, he, from the, I don't think in a million years he was implying that service was doing anything 
along the lines of what he was caught doing. But he was so concerned about dotting every I, crossing every T, and being squeaky clean in the race in Saudi Arabia that uh, this is from T.D. Thornton's report. He says, the email chain started with the owner cautioning service that over there, they might consider a sugar cube illegal. The owner then stated, if you need any help figuring out the rules, I will gladly pay for uh, for you to get whatever advice you need. Service then replies, sounds good, just an F. FYI, Max has never been anything out of never been on anything out of the ordinary. As soon as he said that, like Pinocchio, his nose uh, went about expanded about six feet out from his face. Um, the owner then wrote back, Jason, consult whoever you need to consult to be 100% certain we don't have any kind of accidental drug violation. If you had to feed Max just hay and organic carrots for a month before the race, do that too. I would be, I would feel horrible to win a life-changing race like this for everyone only to find out we didn't do something right because we didn't know. I'll gladly pay for any reasonable consulting work we need to have done to be sure that we are, quote unquote, squeaky clean for the race. So not only was I, you don't have to say allegedly anymore, do you? He's, he's, he's confessed and he's um, uh, already been um, found guilty. So not only was Jason Service juicing the horse, he was lying to the, the West about it and lying through his teeth about it. And still another thing, this happened three years and three months ago, and we still haven't heard from the Saudi Jockey Club about what the heck they're going to do with the purse. What are they waiting for? Service is on his way to jail. He's pled guilty. Nobody is disputing that this horse was given drugs throughout his career. Uh, what more are they hoping to find out? I don't know. And Gary West, the owner of Maximum Security, has encouraged and even right. implored the Saudi Arabia officials to distribute the purse to the runner-up, to, to Midnight Bizu, right? And they still exactly, haven't. Yes. I mean, yes. it's great to be able to run a $20 million race and not even pay the winner. Maybe that's what they're doing here. I don't know. And the judge, uh, Bill, that's going to be sentencing services, the same judge that's been hearing all these cases, Mary Kay, Mary Kay Vicasil, and looking at all the transcripts, which are just fascinating to read the back and forth, not just between the emails, service and Gary West, but between service and Navarro and some of the veterinarians and service and his assistant. Uh, the notion that uh, that services legal team is trying to put forth uh, pre-sentencing that he was manipulated by veterinarians does not hold water when you read the transcripts. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be in big trouble when it comes to sentencing. Well, he's going to be spending the next several years in the Gray Bar Hotel. Uh, certainly, that's going to be the uh, outcome. Who And this Mary Kay Vasakal, she is a badass. I've been in a couple of these courtrooms. She does not take any you-know-what from these people, and uh, she does not show them much mercy. So, uh, Jason Service uh, is definitely on his way to prison and um, looks like uh, you know, we'll know more, obviously, uh, when uh, later on in the week. And by the time you're seeing this podcast, we'll probably have the news out that it looks like he's going to get about four years in prison. So, and uh, I think well-deserved anyways. Sounds okay. like you'll have an interesting time in the old courthouse. Uh, meanwhile, on a more positive note, the TD and Riders Room is also brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association, the PA Stakes Bread, uh, PA Bread Stakes Program. This year, 2023, consists of 29 stakes worth over $4 million. That's just for Pennsylvania breads alone. So it's a big deal. And we've talked a lot about Pennsylvania breads, Caravelle and Angel of Empire. Well, there is 
is a new Pennsylvania bred graded stakes winner. Her name is Roses for Deborah. She just won the grade three caress stakes at Saratoga. She's six for eight lifetime now. That was her first graded stakes win. She is trained by Christophe Clement. We'll be back after this message from the PHBA. The PA Horse Breeders Association presents the Pennsylvania Stallion Series. Six races for PA sired, PA bred two-year-olds at parks. Two $100,000 contests at five and a half furlongs. On August 21st, PA Day at the Races. September 23rd, PA Derby Day has two races at six and a half furlongs, both with a $150,000 purse. And in December, two races going long, each worth $200,000. For more, go to pabred.com. The Saratoga Minute is brought to you by Naira Betts. Disarm is being pointed for the Jim Dandy Stakes. Gunite is being pointed for the Vanderbilt. They are both sons of Gunrunner. And in this week's edition, our Katie Petruniak caught up with the trainer of Disarm and Gunite, Steve Asmussen. Disarm. I think one of my favorite qualities about him is how much he looks like Gunrunner. You know, the markings, the color, and uh, definitely his head. But, uh, you know, talented horse, fourth in this year's Derby. Um, come out of that with a nice win in the Matt win. But a nice group assembled for the Jim Dandy this week. And obviously we're hoping uh, to have success here at Saratoga this summer with him. And Gunite, you know, he is... Uh, Gunrunners, uh, you know, won, won the hopeful here as, from his initial crop and uh, has always uh, run extremely well here at Saratoga with his win last year in the Amsterdam. And also we talked the hopeful win as a two-year-old and he's coming off probably his fastest race ever uh, with his win at Churchill. And so, I mean, get to run against elite power again and uh, Gunite's seen, seen the best and it doesn't bother him. Again, the Saratoga Minute brought to you by Naira Bets. You can sign up now for Naira Bets and get a matching deposit of up to $200. Bet any track, anywhere, anytime. Make a deposit within 30 days of signing up for your account. Bet twice that amount of your initial deposit, and you will receive a wagering credit equal to the amount of your original deposit. Just sign up with promo code SPA, S-P-A, 200, to get your deposit match today. The TD and Writers Room brought to you by The Green Group, a tax accounting and advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry and designed to save you taxes. And we welcome in now the Green Group guests of the week, Big Money, Mike Smith, who got the big money Saturday in the Haskell board, Go Rocket Ride, winning for trainer Dick Mandela, fellow Hall of Famer. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us here on the Green Group Guests of the Week segment. And first of all, tell us the background of how you got this mount. Uh, you weren't his regular rider until the Haskell. I understand you worked him a bunch of times, too. So what did you learn? Had my eye on this colt for quite a while, really. He's just uh, if you, if you seen him, what you probably did. He's, he's just such a good looking horse. Uh, the only thing uh, that Flavian beat me to the punch uh, early on and, and breezed him before I ever got a chance to. So, of course, he rode him first time out and he won very impressive. And then uh, come right back after that and run a really good second in the stake race uh, to that to the really nice colt of Tim Yak teams. Uh, and then after that, I thought maybe there was a chance I could get on him, but Ramon Vasquez wind up on him and, and, and won the stake on him. And 
I'm not exactly sure. You'll have to talk to Mr. Mandela or Ramon and ask him why he didn't show up there. But for whatever the reason was, I was glad he didn't. And when I got the call that I was going to get to ride him a couple of weeks out, I was just beside myself because I thought all along he was talented as it was. And uh, there's just so much room to get better, to, 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 to improve. And in working him, I could see that. So Saturday at Monmouth, Mike, uh, you were breaking from post position number one on Go Rocket Ride. Uh, Baffert's big favorite, Arabian Night, was breaking from the outside. Looked like on paper Arabian Night might have an early speed advantage. I'm guessing you probably went into the race thinking you might have to do some of the dirty work to try to keep Baffert's horse honest. Take us through what you were thinking as the gate opened, run to the first turn, and then as the race progressed. Yeah, you're exactly right. Then that was a game plan. Game plan going in. You know, I talked to me and Mr. Man, me and Mr. Mandela went over the race, and we thought, you know, out of the one hole, we need to go ahead and let him run out of there, let him run into that first turn, and, and not just just give the lead up to to Arabian Night. But I also thought there was some other speed in there as well that could maybe could maybe push him. And I was hoping maybe something like that would happen. Uh, and it did. Uh, the the two horse, you know, really left their well running and and. I could tell early on that he was going to try and make the lead and hoping that, that being a long shot, that no one would push him. And then the outside broke extremely well as well. And, and they kind of moved forward. I was able to put enough distance in between those two and, and the, the horses behind me just to slide on out. And, and man, when that happened, I was able to put my hands down and just give him a chance to relax. And anyway, they were, they were running right along. I knew they were because Michael was pretty quick as it was. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I let him run out of there. So when they opened up two on me, I knew they were running fast enough. Mike, when you ride a horse for Hall of Famer Dick Mandela, you've also ridden for Hall of Famer Bob Baffert. You could see that Johnny V was absolutely loaded. I mean, Mandela even said, man, that guy's got his feet on the dashboard. What's the mindset going into a race like this, riding for Dick and knowing you're up against perhaps one of the best in the game in Hall of Famer Bob Baffert? I mean, yeah, anytime you race against, you know, Bob, you know, his horses are ready. Uh, even though he was lightly raced and had him running quite a while, I know Bob's going to have him ready. He's not going to ship him all the way over there, not you know, not needing one, uh, which he still probably could have. I mean, you know, he has a right to to have gotten tired. Uh, but I'm also riding for Mr. Mandela, who's just an incredible horseman. Uh, you know, he's you just you just ride with extra confidence when you get the opportunity to ride for him. You really do, and 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 I knew he had his cold ready because I've been working him with him, you know, and and, and getting the chance to breeze him a few times really really helped me to know him a little bit and, and I knew he was ready to run well. Uh, honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I knew he was a talented Cole. I, I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> he, he surprised me. I mean, Mage came at me with a full head of steam heading for home and I thought, wow, you're going to have to show me something that I don't know if you have or not. And man, I mean, he just put me back in the, back in the seat when that Cole got up to him and, and, and just opened up and I was extremely impressed. Uh, I think you guys could agree that, I mean, this was the deepest Haskell I've seen in a long time. I mean, usually you'll see one horse that stands out or whatever, but there were five in there. They wouldn't have been surprised whatsoever if, if, if five or six of them in there that, that, that could have won. Uh, so him to, for him to put away a field like that and draw away at the end going a mile late certainly shows us that he should get the mile and a quarter and that, and that he beat a really good bunch of horses. Mike, is that extra gratifying? Because I can remember talking to you one morning at Santa Anita and you're like, Zoe, Zoe, I'm trying to get on that cold Mandela's. I'm trying to get on that cold Mandela's. You chased this guy down. You didn't get to ride him because Ramon did last time. But how gratifying is that for you? Your first grade one of the year 
on a colt that I think in the back of your mind, you knew he was pretty damn good to get the win. I've liked him for a long time. Uh, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, of, a, of a situation that happened a few years back with, with a colt called Omaha Beach uh, that I liked a whole lot early on. And, and Flavian was riding. Uh, fortunate for me, he was also riding another really talented colt for, for Hollandoffer, and he chose... He chose that horse in the in the stake at Oakland Park, uh, and I was able to pick up uh, Omaha Beach, and he just got better and better and better. And that's the thing, you know, when you ride for Mr. Mandela, they're they're going to get better each and every race. So, so if you can catch one young like that and, and early, uh, you know, there's a, there's no telling how good this colt can turn out to be. Mike, you won two the day before at Del Mar. You won on Saturday in the grade one Haskell. You have 16 winners on the year um, and your amounts have been very limited. Is that by design or are you uh, a little bit dissatisfied with the uh, level of business you've been getting this year? I would have to go to the dissatisfied part, uh, Bill. uh, Just waiting for the right kind of horses, you know, and and out here in California, you know, we got a little shortage of horses, uh, so it, it's gotten a little tougher, you know. But uh, I just had to start getting out in the morning and working a little bit and try and build up some some day business just to keep me keep me fit and keep me uh, around and not let people forget about me. And and uh, I did that and was able to, to to get some business built up a little bit and it started out to me pretty good so far. And and that always helps leading into a big race, you know, when you can start to meet out big and win a couple and just gave me a little extra confidence, made me feel like I still got it. So, you know, this question is coming every interview you have now, this question <laughs> is going to come up, right? Uh, you turned 58 on August the 10th. You're obviously still capable as we saw Saturday of riding at a high level, but how much longer do you think you can keep doing this? How much longer do you want to keep doing this? I'm really enjoying getting the opportunity to ride horses like like go rocket ride i mean that you know as long as my body tells me i can do it and and, and so far randy i mean it, it's it hadn't let me down uh you know i started if i did like i like like i've been saying for years if i did anything right in my career was i really took up physical fitness at an early age instead of playing golf and, and running around and on my days off i work 10 times harder than when i actually have to when it's time to ride uh so I'm really, really in good shape. I'm fit. You know, I run anywhere from five to eight miles a day, uh, train with my trainer, personal trainers, uh, an hour a day. And I do this on my day off all the time. And I don't, I don't go out to lunch until I get it, uh, until I get it done. And, and I've been doing it now probably for about a good 25, 30 years straight. I'm, I'm in incredible shape for my age. So as long as I can stay healthy and, and, and not get any injuries, I, I don't see why I couldn't finish the year out. Maybe another good hard year. We'll see what happens after that. I mean, I'm basically retired now. It ain't like I'm doing a whole lot. Look at me. <laughs> why would I give this up? I mean, I still get to compete at that level. And, and there's just nothing like riding a great horse. I just love horses so much. I, I don't want to. This is why I, I, I just I'd be silly to give this up. Well, Mike, what does a typical day look like? Because you most genuinely are the fittest guy in the room. Take me through your roti- routine and perhaps I can almost see your guns like busting through <laughs> that shirt of yours right now. I know the guys aren't watching, but I am. So <laughs> take us through well, your, your day. Thank you. I appreciate that. It made me feel good. But 
you know, I'll, I'll, I, I do my own, my, my cardio. I usually, I like to run. I like to put my headset on my ear iPods and just go for, like I said, a good anywhere from a three to five mile run early. Uh, I'll head to the gym at noon and, and hook up with my personal trainer and we'll, we'll do a pretty, a pretty good workout today for about an hour. I'll come back and have lunch with my wife. We'll hang out a little bit and then I'll run again before dinner. <laughs> and then that's it. Twice? You run twice, twice a day? Twice a day you I've run? I've run it twice and I've gotten my weight down so good and so natural. I mean, I was able to tag 19 the other day pretty nice. And, and man, I hadn't done that in a while. You know, been that that natural, you know, where I just showed up and I was already that light. Usually I have to pull, you know, pull the weight to get there. And, and just doing this twice a day running and just switched up my eating and not uh, picking after dinner so much. You know, I'm a, I'm a big cereal, cereal guy after dinner. So I kind of stopped that and started this two day, two days, uh, twice a day running uh, with a workout in between. And, and man, it just, it just dropped off me. I'm about 116, 115 now naturally. And I hadn't done that in quite a while. And it's allowed my, I'm, I'm limber. I feel real good, you know? So I'm just going to keep this up until my body can't take that no more. Mike, I tell my friends, if you ever see me running, call the police because somebody <laughs> is behind me. They're chasing me and they probably have a gun. You listen, Randy, I'm not running very fast. Yeah, I, I, I'm going out there and I'm running six minute miles. You know, I ain't doing nothing like that. They're anywhere from nine to 10 minute miles. just nice and slow. I love running hills. So I run up here in Carlsbad. We got a lot of hills and I just love running up hills real, real slow. And man, I mean, the endurance that it gives you is just amazing. Mike, if you play your cards right, who knows? You might be the next Randy Moss. How did you do? <laughs> so you made your network television debut uh, on the Fox broadcast of the Belmont Stakes. Grade yourself. How do you think you did? You know, maybe a C plus. You know, I, I got I got room to grow, but I enjoyed it enough that I know that I would I'll, I'll put the effort in. Uh, a bit nervous early on, not 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 knowing the cameras and where to look and how to look and, and not used to someone talking in your ear as you're, as you're talking. And so it was quite a, and we were supposed to rehearse, but as, I don't know if you remember uh, Bill, they had that, that, that smoke was going on and we didn't right. get to rehearse on Friday. So man, I just went straight in without even rehearsing or anything. And, and it was a little, like I said, it was a little nerve wracking the first 10, 15 minutes. And then I kind of settled down uh but yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it made me feel it made me feel good. It still made me feel part of the game, and, and that's something I would really like to do. Uh, you know, whenever it's time to to hang the saddle up. You know what the hardest part is, Mike, and you probably got a glimpse of this. It's saying what you want to say in the time that yes. you're given to say it. It's given ten seconds, and, and you know me, I like to tell a little bit of a story. So <laughs> I just trying to figure out how to how to shorten it all, you know, and just get it out there and. and was a little was a little nerve wracking for me, but I'll, I'll I'll work at it and get better at it. I watch a lot, and I don't I watch you guys all the time, so I'm learning. Well, we genuinely look forward to seeing you on more broadcasts, but not too soon because you're not retiring anytime no, soon. No, I'm not done yet. I'm not even I, close to done. I yet. have one last question: If you could ride any race over again, whether you won or you lost, what would it be, and who was it on? Oh, Zenyatta, without a doubt, uh, the last time I rode her. Uh, and I don't know if I could have done anything different. I'm not sure, no. you know, win or lose, but I know I finished second beating the nose and I want one more shot at it. I can't, <laughs> I just can't <laughs> let that go, man. <laughs> I tried hard, but it, I, I still cry about it. I, I just, I just can't, can't get over it. 
Wow. I think that might have been the best race she ever ran. And yeah. It, and it could have been, Randy. I, it really, I mean, it was in defeat. I think she truly showed what, what, how good she really was. I think, you know, a lot of people, she, she ran against a lot of times the same horses out here in California. And although she did ship, you know, she went to, to Oakland a couple of times and just absolutely loved the dirt. I actually think she loves the dirt more than, than she did synthetic, to be honest with you. But, but man, I, I think she truly showed how good she was to, to, to be that far back and only, only come up a no short against that field in the classic was, was just incredible. Well, Mike, thank, thank you so much for your insights. Congratulations on the whatever, what the big money, Mike Smith, big money, Haskell. You came through with a great ride on Go Rocket Ride. And uh, I'm going to set the over under on how much longer you'll ride at four years. What do you think? That's pretty good. I like that, Bill. Okay. Uh, All right. And Mike, don't don't get too good at this TV thing, okay? Just kind of dial it back. It's just a little bit. I already got the look going. I got the Randy Moss look going. So. <laughs> Very good. I think maybe Jerry Bailey needs to worry a little bit more than you, Randy. But uh, <laughs> very good. I don't think either. None of you guys have to worry. <laughs> I'll be happy just to get just to get a chance. Very good. Well, Mike, thanks so much for your insights and spending a few minutes with us uh, th- today on the TDN Writers Room podcast. Once again, congratulations on the Haskell win. Yeah, thanks for having me on. As this week's Green Group Guest of the Week, Big Money Mike Smith will receive a free one-hour tax consultation between jogs, I'm sure. For more information on how the Green Group can save you taxes, visit www.greenco.com. Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies. Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport, like Eclipse Award-winning champions Jaywalk and Wonderwheel. His DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. With some of the fullest fields in the country and quality racing year-round, there's never been a better time to reap the rewards of breeding and racing in Kentucky. Purse money in Kentucky is at an all-time high, as is average purse per race, outpacing California, Florida, and New York. Kentucky Brats. Breed them. Raise them. Race them. We all win. Grade 1 winners are bred in Kentucky. Kentucky Breds won two Grade 1 events on Saturday when Go Rocket Ride took the Grade 1 Haskell at Monmouth Park, earning a berth in the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic, and Wet Paint scored in the Grade 1 Coaching Club American Oaks at Saratoga. Read them. Race them, race them. We all win. 
Another big weekend of racing with big races at both Del Mar and uh, Saratoga. We've been talking a lot about the three-year-olds. We talked to Mike Smith about Go Rocket Ride, and we talked, of course, about uh, him winning the Haskell Stakes. The Jim Dandy will be the race for three-year-olds on Saturday at Saratoga. And right now, now we're doing this again on a Tuesday, so we don't have the entries yet. But there's uh, four big names that are definitely lined up for the race. Forte, Angel of Empire, Hit Show, and Disarm. Uh, the Saturday card at Saratoga also includes the Vanderbilt Leap Power, the leading sprinter in the country. It looks like he's going to go in that. Uh, out at Del Mar, the Bing Crosby for sprinters will uh, be the grade one race on that card. Also, the San Diego Handicap looks like they're going to get defunded, the leading older horse uh, in training in, in um, Southern California going in that. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, but I think the story here is not only just Forte in the Jim Dandy, but the Blinkers. And, you know, he's a very good horse, but he is a horse that looks a little erratic in his races. You know, he kind of doesn't look like he's going anywhere. He's spinning his wheels and then he makes this late move. Looks like he's, he, it looks like he just wants to run the last 16th of a mile. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Blinkers do. And uh, yeah, he's another one in the, uh, in the conversation for, you know, who is the best three-year-old. I'm sure Todd Pletcher is hoping for an improved effort, uh, though nothing wrong with his race uh, last time out in the um, Belmont Stakes. Yeah, you know how we always describe proxy as as being a horse that, you know, suddenly won Saturday in Mammoth, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, he did. He did. He didn't beat much, but he won. That's all he, that's all he needed to do. Um, but Forte has been running kind of like that. It Just his last two races, though, I didn't really notice it in the Fountain of Youth. I didn't notice it in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but in the Florida Derby, think back. Now it looks a little bit better in hindsight, but Mays just blew his doors off going around the second turn. And Forte looked to be going absolutely nowhere. And then when they straightened away, here comes Forte again, and he manages to run Mage down. In the Belmont Stakes, Forte looked like he was getting absolutely nothing midway around the second turn. Horses were going by him right and left. He was going the wrong direction. And then here he comes again. He picks it back up, and he winds up finishing second in a remarkable performance given the layoff that he had because he had to be scratched from the Kentucky Derby. Look, now that my two fills is out of action (laughs) – I, I, I think you would. I think you would have to say, even though I've never been the greatest Forte fan, I think you would have to say that he deserves to be at the top of the heap right now among the three-year-olds. I mean, look, he yeah, he lost the Belmont, but before that, in succession, he won the Hopeful, the Breeders' Futurity, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, the Fountain of Youth, and the Florida Derby before he had to be scratched from the Kentucky Derby. So he has done nothing but win. And if the Blinkers do move him up at all in the gym dandy, then uh, that's just going to be icing on the cake. The TDM Writers Room is brought to you by XBTV. Graded Stakes winners Hit Show and Angel of Empire breezed five furlongs in company over Saratoga's dirt track Saturday as both horses prepare for the July the 29th Grade 2 Jim Dandy. We'll get to that in just a moment. The pair stepped on the track at 5.30 a.m. I was there. You'd better believe it. Angel of Empire ridden by Flavian Pratt, was on the inside. and He's always been a little bit better workhorse than Hit Show. Hit Show was on the outside. The thing that I did like about this work is that Hit Show can get a little bit rank in the morning sometimes. He's a very hot-headed horse. And I thought he worked very nicely alongside, uh, alongside Angel of Empire. Angel of Empire and Hit Show like to stick together in their races too. They were last seen finishing fourth in the Belmont States. We'll be right back after this message. All the thrills. 
fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com. The TD and Riders Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. Joining a West Point partnership can vault you into the world of instant camaraderie. Right now, Terry Finley and the whole West Point group are really in a zone at Saratoga, preparing for the Phasic Tipton Saratoga Select Yearling Sale for good reason. After all, it was 2019 when on back-to-back nights, West Point and partners purchased Flightline and also Multiple graded stakes winner, first captain. They also buy horses privately. Don't forget that. A two-year-old Irish filly is on the way right now to trainer Tom Morley in New York after West Point and Partners bought her privately after she made an impressive debut at NACE. I know Zoe likes it when I climb way down into a rabbit hole. <laughs> this filly is named Nado Wessey, okay, which is the original name for the Sioux Indian tribe. The sire of Nado Wessey? Sioux Nation, the Coolmore Stallion right there. That's a very well-named horse and now belongs to West Point. West Point two-year-olds are now sold out. Yearlings will be available for syndication in August. For more information, you can email Debbie Finley at Debbie at WestPointTB.com. Randy, you keep coming up with information like that. I think it's time for you to demand a raise, okay? (laughs) I got to climb out of the rabbit hole first. Hey, well, that's a wrap on this week's edition of the Thoroughbred Daily News Writers Room Podcast. I want to thank my partners, Randy Moss and Zoe Cabman. I want to thank Big Money Mike Smith, the Green Group Guest of the Week, our co-editors, Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca, and our editors, Leah LaRocca and Nathan Wilkinson. And where would a show be without our mascot, Lucy? Look at her. Oh, Lucy, she's so cute. And look at Randy. Loves his dog. we got to love that. Goes down rabbit holes, comes up with names of the Sioux Indian tribes. Uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes. And he's a dog lover, and that's why we enjoy having Randy so much on the show each week. Thanks for catching us this week. We'll talk to you next week here on the TDN Writers Room Podcast.